You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We finished up last week that church at Laodicea, and we have gone through all seven of those churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Now we get to chapter 4, and I'm so excited about what we have next. Now we have, uh, I believe that we are living uh, right now, uh, today, I believe we are living in the church age, we're in the age of grace, but I believe that the trumpet could sound at any moment. I believe Jesus could come back at any time. There's nothing else we're waiting on. Uh, People talk about all that's going on in Jerusalem and all that's going on in the Middle East. And yes, those are signs and those are indications, but there's nothing left on God's prophetic calendar that has to happen before the trumpet sounds. It could happen today. And this is where we are now in Revelation chapter 4. The the church age is gone, and now we have the rapture of the church. We have the judgment seat of Christ. We have the tribulation. Uh, We have the, uh, the second coming, the battle of Armageddon, the millennial reign of Christ. And we'll, we'll give you some things to help you remember all those events. But uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want you to see Revelation chapter four, verse number one. John has just received and, and, and written these letters from Jesus to his seven churches in Asia Minor. And we get to chapter four, verse one, and John says, after this, now mark that in your Bible. If you're in the habit of marking your Bible, mark those two words. We're coming back to that. But John says, after this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Can you imagine what that sight must have been like? The door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a what? A trumpet. Now, mark those words in your Bible. The word voice, the voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet. Mark that word. And the trumpet was talking with me. The voice of a trumpet was telling me something, John says. It was giving me a message. Which said, you say, what was the message? Well, here it is. That voice, like a trumpet, said, come up hither. Boy, that must have have been something for John to hear that. He sees the door open in heaven. He hears a voice like a trumpet. And the voice says, John, come on up. Can I tell you, that's going to happen to every child of God one of these days. There's going to be a voice that says, come on home, come up hither, Uh, enter into the joy of thy Lord, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately, verse 2, John said, I was in the spirit and behold a throne, mark that word throne, if you would, in your Bible, verse number 2, behold, a throne was set in heaven. This was not the throne in Jerusalem. This was not the throne in Rome. This was a throne in heaven. And what's the next word? And how many sat on the throne? One sat on the throne. 
And he that sat, by the way, mark that word throne again. It's found twice in verse two. He that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine or a sardius stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne. Mark that word again. That's three times we've seen the word throne. It was a throne in sight like unto an emerald. Verse four. And round about the throne. There it is. Mark it again, please. That's four times. There were four and 20 seats. And upon the seats, I saw four and 20 elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Verse five. And by the way, those crowns, verse four, we're going to see in a moment what happens to those crowns in verse 10. It says in verse eight, and out of the throne, mark that if you would, I think that's number five where uh, the word throne is found. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings in voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. There it is again, number six, which are the seven spirits of God. Verse six, and before the throne, I believe that's number seven, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne, number eight, and round about the throne, number nine, were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like unto a lion, and the second beast like unto a calf, and the third beast had a face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, here's what they're saying, day and night, they're never stopping, and they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, I'm glad that he is the God of the past, but he's not just the God of the past, he's not just the I was God, he is the, the God that was and is that's present tense. Aren't you glad he's still God today? Aren't you glad he's still on the throne today? He's still in control today. He was, he is, and he is to come. He's the God of the future. I am so thankful that our God is eternal. His throne is everlasting. Uh, his dominion has no end. Uh, God's not worried about November elections. He's not worried about impeachment. He's not worried about a new president. He's not worried about a new regime. He's not worried about anybody coming and overthrowing his throne. He is the God who was, who is, and is to come forever. He is on the throne. Verse number nine. And when those beasts, they give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne. I think, I think that's number 10. The, the him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, number 11, and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, number 12, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Our Father, I pray you'd speak to us in these few moments. Help us not to miss uh, what you have for us in the book of Revelation. I thank you that this book is uh, not intended to be a mystery, but quite the opposite. This book is intended to be an unveiling. Uh, you have not given us your word so that we could not understand it, 
But you have given us your word so that we could have it, we could know it, we could understand it, and we could live accordingly. I pray that you'd help us tonight and speak to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, I want you to see in the chapter four as uh, an outline. I want you to see number one, I want you to see the timing of all of this. The timing is that we have just come through uh, the church age. Now, we have not come through the church age yet. We're still in the church age. And uh, I won't take the time tonight, but maybe uh, next Wednesday, I'll take the time to, to show you the different uh, churches in Revelation 2 and 3 and how they represent, I believe, time frames throughout history. If that is the case, and I think it's a good application, I think it's definitely uh, very appropriate to, to see the analogies. But if that's true, what was the last church that we studied in Revelation chapter 3? The church of Laodicea. And that church was a church that was known for being lukewarm. You remember that? Jesus said, I wish you were either cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, Jesus said, I will spew you out of my mouth. Jesus was disgusted. He, it made him sick that this church was just kind of half-hearted, kind of half in and half out. Now, if you are, be careful how I say this. I don't want to hurt feelings. But if you're a baseball fan, and your team is out of the world. They're not in the World Series, okay? There's only two in the World Series, right? The Phillies. Do we have any Phillies fans in here? Philadelphia Phillies. All right. Any Astros, Houston Astros? We got one Astros fan. No, two Astros fans. All right. Well, do we have any Yankees fans? I know we got a few of those. Folks, I'm, I'm sorry. Not only are the Yankees not in the World Series, they didn't win a game against the Astros. Not only that, I read somewhere that they had more, they were struck out more times in that series than any other team in any other series in, in the playoffs. That's not good. So I can understand, I can understand where as a baseball fan, you would be half-hearted about the World Series, your team's not in it. If you're an NFL fan, uh, I could be, I could understand, especially if you're a Panthers fan. Do we have any Panthers fans in the house? Let me see your hands. Now, I, I want to say, I want to say this as kindly as I know how. It went from bad to worse for Panthers fans this past week. Um, I, I, don't, I don't follow them as much as I, I, I probably should as, 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 as a fan, but I like to watch some of the 49ers. We lived in Santa Clara for many years. The, their stadium is just a, probably three miles, two, three miles from where we live. But I read this last week that the Panthers sent their best player, Christian McCaffrey, to the 49ers. And they were already bad. And they sent their best player. I could see how in football, I could see how you could be kind of half-hearted about your football team. Um, they're not the Redskins anymore, the uh, Commanders. The Commanders, there are, they're, they have, there's nothing to cheer about with the Commanders. And, and if you're a Commanders fan, God bless you. I'm just telling you the truth. There's, there's nothing to be excited about there. And I could see how you could be half-hearted. If you're a Lakers fan in basketball, basketball just started, but already the Lakers are terrible. And Brother Dan, you mentioned it in Sunday school. They should be good. They really should be good, but they're awful. And I could see how you would be half-hearted uh, as, a, as a, a Lakers fan or if your team is just not producing or not doing well. Or maybe you just get tired of it. Uh, maybe you get tired of having to stay up till midnight to watch your team play, you know, whatever the case may be. But friend, I want to tell you, I don't know how in the world 
Christians, people that know Jesus, people that have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, people that have the Bible, people that have the promise of God and people that have the privilege of prayer. I do not know how Christians can be half-hearted. And then you read the Bible and you read the gospel accounts and you read the miracles of Jesus and you read about the crucifixion and you read about the death and the the burial and the resurrection. I don't know how Christians can be half-hearted. I don't know how Christians can be lukewarm, especially when you get to the book of Revelation. This book is a book of overcoming. It's a book of victory. It tells us that we're on the winning side. It tells us that Jesus Christ will come and once and for all, he will conquer all of the armies, all of the nations of this world. I don't know how you can be half-hearted, but I think we all realize that many are. Many Christians are half-hearted. Many Christians are lukewarm. But this book tells us, Revelation chapter four, it tells us what's going to happen after this. You say, well, pastor, these, these times are tough. And boy, we're going through a lot right now. Look at our country and look at our economy and look at, look at the Middle East and look at foreign policy. And, look, and I understand all that. But again, we're not living for here and now. We're living for after this because Jesus is coming. Now, I, I, think, I think it's good down here. And I think God just keeps on pouring out his blessings And I just think God just keeps doing uh, more and more. I think he gets gooder and gooder all the time. And I just think it's wonderful to serve God sweeter, gets the journey every day. I love serving Jesus, but I want to tell you, it's going to get a whole lot better one of these days than it is now. After this, the Bible says, Revelation chapter four, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. I'm glad to tell you that even right now, there is a door that is open in heaven. And that door is Jesus. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And any man that will come to Jesus can come in. Aren't you glad that the door was open the day that you got saved? Aren't you glad that God opened the door and said, come on in, whosoever will may come. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad there's an open door today. And when the trumpet sounds, that door is going to be open again. But there's coming a day when that door is going to be closed. The story of Noah's Ark, you know the story. And, and, and we understand that there was an opportunity for people to get on that ark. There was an opportunity for people to be saved from the judgment of that flood. But there came a time when that door was closed. And there's coming a time when the door to heaven is going to be closed when God's grace will run out. You say, I thought his grace and mercy is everlasting. It is. But there's coming a time where God will say, judgment's coming. And that's where we are in Revelation chapter four, verse number one. We see, number one, the timing. The timing of this is that the age of grace has passed, the church age has passed. And we see, number one, the timing. Number two, we see the trumpet. The trumpet here is so important. I want you to hold your place in Revelation chapter 4. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, this is a passage of Scripture I'm planning to read uh, tomorrow at that graveside service for Brother Ray Wordsworth. I read this or 1 Corinthians 15 at just about every single graveside service. So if this sounds familiar, you say, I know I've heard this before. Well, It's probably been at a funeral. It's probably been at a a cemetery because this is what we are 
anticipating as Christians. We're not, we're not sorrowing for our loved ones that are gone. We're not sorrowing as those that have no hope because we know that we do have hope. We know that our loved ones that know the Lord, they're not in the ground. They're in heaven. They're with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So 1 Thessalonians 4, it describes for us a very similar event as Revelation 4. Notice 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with a voice of an archangel. Remember Revelation 4, verse 1? And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. Uh, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. I believe this passage, 1 Thessalonians 4, is very clear. This is the rapture of the church. This is when Jesus catches his bride away. This is when Jesus comes back uh, to receive those of us who have been saved and to take us to heaven. Well, that's a lot like Revelation 4, verse 1. And I heard the first voice, which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. I don't know how much clearer it can get. There's a voice, sounds like a trumpet, and the voice says, come up hither. And the very next thing you see, you see the scene surrounding the throne of God. Friend, that's what we're going to experience. We're going to gather with our loved ones. We're going to gather with the, the saved from all the ages. We're going to gather around the throne of God. We will gather for the judgment seat of Christ where we will receive crowns. The Bible says that these four and 20 elders, they had on their heads crowns of gold. Chapter four, verse number 10, they take those crowns and they cast them before the throne saying, thou art worthy. Number one, we see the timing. Number two, we see the trumpet. A trumpet in the Bible always was used for an important announcement, an urgent matter. Many times a trumpet was used surrounding a battle. Many times a trumpet was used to warn people that the enemy was coming. Many times it was used to call the people together, to assemble, to gather, to go out and fight. But I want to tell you when this trumpet sounds, Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1, for Christians, the battle's not getting started. For Christians, the battle's not going on. For Christians, when the trumpet sounds in Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1, the battle's over. And hallelujah, what a day that will be. All of your battles will be over. Your battle against sin will be over. Your battle against the devil will be over. Your battle against the flesh will be over. Your battle against sorrow, your battle against disappointment, your battle against regret, your battle that you fight uh, with depression and your battle that you fight with sickness, all of those battles will be over. Hallelujah. And victory will be won. That trumpet's going to sound and what a day of rejoicing that will be. It reminds me of uh, playing in sports and Reminds me when I was in uh, high school and you were playing in a very difficult game and it was back and forth. It was back and forth and you were up and then you were down, you're up and you're down and, and, and that buzzer sounds and that buzzer sounds, it's over. And you look at that scoreboard and when you see on that scoreboard, 
that your team has won, what happens then? Celebration. Oh, yeah. And especially if it's a big game, especially if it's a championship, especially uh, if it's a tournament, especially if it's against your rival school, whatever. That scoreboard says you won. The buzzer sounds. The game is over and the celebration begins. And I want to tell you in heaven, there's going to be a celebration. There's going to be a wonderful day when the trumpet sounds, when the battle's over and when God's people are gathered together in heaven. Can I tell you, down here, the battle's not over. You know how I know that? Because you're still breathing. Because you're still alive, and I'm still alive. And as long as we are alive, the battle's going strong. And the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more intense the battle will become because the Bible says that Satan, he knows that he has just a short time. And let me remind you that Satan never plays fair. Did you know Satan likes to cheat? That's his MO. He likes to trick and deceive and lie and cheat and steal, and he'll do anything he can to try to stop you while you're in the battle for the Lord and the battle for right. Battle's not over now. Just keep on fighting. Battle's not over. Keep running. Battle's not over. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep praying. Keep serving God. Stay close to him. The battle's not over now. But when that trumpet sounds, the battle will be over and we will be in heaven with the Lord. And what a wonderful celebration. What a wonderful homecoming that's going to be when we all get to heaven. Well, I didn't get very far today in Revelation chapter 4, uh, but we'll uh, pick up next week where we left off. And I hope you'll, hope you'll read through this chapter. Let God speak to your heart. We didn't get to the, the, the theme of the chapter, and that is the throne. Twelve times in 11 verses we find the word throne. And I'm thankful for the fact that God is on His throne. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.